0: After all, there is nothing real outside our perception of reality, is there? If you wish to avoid prosecution, I would advise that you comply with our language laws. This is the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to the RCMP, that's the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. I am your host today, Becky Shrimpton, and this week I'm talking to new Oscar nominee and fellow Canadian, Sammy Khan. Sammy was coming to me from a waiting area in LA, so there's a little bit of extra clanking and background noise, but shouldn't be too distracting. Today's film isn't Canadian, but it's always important to acknowledge the great work a lot of Canadians are doing out in the field. And as the co-director of the Oscar-nominated short, St. Louis Superman, great work is exactly what Sammy is doing. The film follows the story of Bruce Franks Jr., who at the time of the film is a 35-year-old Ferguson activist and battle rapper who was elected to the overwhelmingly white and Republican Missouri House of Representatives. In the film, Franks Jr. must overcome both personal trauma and political obstacles to pass a critical bill for his community. It's absolutely stunning. I highly recommend you catch it when it hits streaming later this spring. Here's my interview with Sami Khan. You're from Sarnia and now you're working with a bunch of Americans. You were nominated for the Academy Awards. How did that happen?
1: You know, I, yeah, like you said, I grew up in in Sarnia and spent all of my life there until I was 18, 19 years of age and then I went away to university and you know, was studying something that I wasn't happy with, economics and finance. Um and my dad actually pushed me to pursue my passion of film. And then really on a whim I applied to Columbia Film School and I, I got in and, you know, I went down to New York and I lived in New York for a long time. During the course of my time at Columbia, I met Swarti Mandra, uh, my co-director on St. Louis Superman. And, you know, she she married my best friend. Once she married Christian, then we were just family. Um, and we were both making films in India at the same time, you know, over the next few years after film school. And we'd like compare scars and horror stories and horror stories of filmmaking in India. And then, you know, we're always looking to work together. And then when the opportunity came, we were commissioned to make a short documentary, then, you know, we jumped at the chance to collaborate. And so we just had at the outset of the project, we were just given like a theme area of, you know, what the commissioning producer needed. Um, And it was something around the 2018 midterms in the United States. Um, You know, it was like the first, you know, national election since Trump was elected. So you know, the commissioning producer was interested in how, like, this resistance was going to manifest itself in terms of elected politics. And, you know, we looked around for a long time a couple months for different stories and nothing really seemed to land with the weight that would be sufficient to, you know, carry a story for. You know, years, not just be like a, you know, a kind of YouTube thing that people could watch and find information about for the 2018 elections. And then Smriti actually found, read an article on Bruce Franks Jr., um, the participant in the doc story. And when Poe, the producer, and I heard Smriti pitch it, we're like, that's the one, you know, that's the one. It satisfies the need, you know, of the sort of immediate need of the 2018 elections but it also has this depth to it um you know he has you've seen the film so you know he has like this mythic quality to his story and he also has these these superpowers of storytelling and just empathy and an ability to inspire everybody around him and you know i was just making this point this morning when bruce Martin and i were in a meeting um, with a production company and i was like bruce really greatness kind of centers around bruce And then it was only a matter of convincing Bruce – to allow us in and allow us to make a film about him.
0: When uh, Smutti pitched this to Bruce Franks Jr., he was a little hesitant because he'd been hounded down by so many people who were like, we're going to make a movie of your life. And it was always like, are you going to exploit me? How's this going to work? But she pitched you guys like outsiders. How much of that did come from being Canadian or people of color that you felt like you could play his story well? Or um, how did you think you could tell his story better than any other journalist or documentarian?
1: Yeah, I mean, those were all factors. I think the fact that we are outsiders, um, and we, you know, we approach media and sort of dominant stories with a healthy grain of skepticism and, and pushback. I think that's sort of embedded in our nature, um, and then also it was the fact of our approach, the storytelling. It really was this like fortuitous. Series of events and like these people coming together who, you know, Smriti and I are accredited as the directors, but like Poe, the producer, you know, even my wife's best friend was living in St. Louis at the time and we stayed with her and you know, she was working in mental health and was a friend of Bruce's. Uh, So like there was all these coincidences, which kind of created the family and the the circumstances where Bruce's story could come out and could come out in a way that wasn't re-traumatizing you know that wasn't sort of like exploitative that was also something that we were talking about constantly during you know when we were filming it's like checking in with Bruce checking in with each other and you know and also in the approach to the storytelling where we weren't you know, rolling in there with three cameras and a huge crew, but it was a really, really small intimate crew. And it felt kind of like a a mom and pop film shoot.
0: Yeah, we have such a weird impulse that we want to like take one person and then make them a grand metaphor for all people. And that's not really what you've done here. Like, it's a pretty remarkable little portrait of an individual who was able to make big change and bring a big highlight to a very serious issue. But you're still representing him as a father, as a community leader. He just happens to be also involved in politics. At what point did you involve my favorite part. The analogy of the battle rapping is very, very similar to debate and having uh, crafting arguments is just a different method. When did that come about?
1: He was a, a battle rapper. The problem, well, you know, in 2014, when Michael Brown was killed, Bruce was a battle rapper and, you know, comu- community leader. But be- when he was elected in 2016, he was sort of back burner. You know, so to be honest, we didn't know if we would ever get him sort of doing his thing again we hoped that we would but we didn't know it was pretty late you know i think that scene was actually shot in september 2018 and we one of the core filmmaking team was uh this really talented st louis filmmaker named chris renteria and uh chris actually shot that scene so it was pretty late in the process because we didn't know if we would get it like bruce's plate was so full with Politics and his activism and just being a role model for the community His like his own creative work Especially with battle rap had taken a back burner now since he's like stepped away from elected politics That's he's embraced battle rap again Um, And I think that's like led to just like a tremendous improvement in his own mental health And I think all of us can take a lesson from that however even if you know if we're not like we don't think we're creative but there's there's just something to that storytelling you know and that that sort of workman dedication to you know, putting our thoughts on paper.
0: It's almost, and I hate to say this, it's got an element of like that slumdog millionaire, you see how he learned and how he was able to, like that's how he debates, that's how he thinks. And he's obviously very quick and very intelligent. It's just figuring out how to switch that mode of communication. It was really enlightening and interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he says like your storytelling is your superpower and uh, you know, it's really true for Bruce, he has, these incredible rhetorical and lyrical skills and just this, the way he uses pop culture is, you know, it's really exemplified in in that scene where, you know, he's like quoting LeBron signing with the Lakers and Cujo and, you know, Amistad and like Ramadan, like bringing all of this stuff together. And, you know, as a storyteller myself, as like a filmmaker what you aspire to is this kind of western mode of filmmaking and storytelling that we we do over here is like three acts right you know it's like you set everything up in the first act things take a turn in the second act and in the third act it's like everything comes together and you get to this deeper emotional and thematic level and bruce does that in his uh, you know his battles so well you know and he's kind of like he's changed the game with with battle rap and the way he like brings discussion of mental health into his battles um and a couple weeks ago on martin luther king day uh, his latest battle dropped um which was against this guy b dot who's from the bay area but lives down here in los angeles now and uh you know it was it's just like an epic battle between these two like giants these two titans and bruce has like this he has this like emotional approach you know taking from pop culture and you know getting you to that third that third act where you know everything you know you just like feel devastated by the end of it um and no, i think that's like something as a storyteller where i was just like in awe of and continually in awe you know, we go to a meeting, and Bruce is just able on the spot just to like synthesize everything in his life um, within, you know, a couple sentences or within five minutes.
0: And he's preaching, for lack of a better term, uh, disenfranchisement, like the, the disassociation disenfranchisement, talking how he himself uh, didn't even bother to vote and why that actually is important and how you have to get involved. You have to look after yourself. So um, how do you inspire people? And he speaks to people on the lo- a level they can understand, utilizing pop culture and uh, different methods of communication, which I'm sure a lot of people haven't tried before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of my favorite scenes is the scene where he goes to Mission St. Louis and he's talking to these formerly incarcerated men who are honestly struggling to integrate into society um, and just trying to find a job and something that Bruce has firsthand experience with. And he talks about his brother Rodney. Not only his dad, but his brother Rodney went to jail for a long, long time, and you know has only been out for a couple of years now. Um, and you know, and you go back to that idea. Bruce says it's like your storytelling is your superpower you know it's like there can be a formal way to do that you know whether you have a podcast or you are a documentary filmmaker or you're a battle rapper but then also if you're just like a regular person you know just trying to find peace you know that's like that's really really a powerful idea because you know the reality is like we've persisted as a species when all other sort of like species like us have perished, like the Neanderthals are gone and, you know, all the other ones are gone. But what, what's allowed us to kind of flourish is our storytelling ability, you know, from like really rudimentary art to, you know, $250 million Hollywood productions with CGI, you know, makeup to make people look 30 years younger or whatever. Um, And right now we're facing like a real crisis of human civilization, Whether it's democracy sort of falling apart across the world or climate change or, you know, nuclear proliferation. And I think all of us need to find like a way to sort of rededicate ourselves to storytelling. And that's something that Bruce does in a really, really um, direct way, you know, just like having him in a room does that we should look to see what Bruce is doing and, and telling us and look to those storytellers like Bruce to, to kind of figure out our way out of this deep, deep mess we're in.
0: <laughs> well, let me ask you, uh, because you are a relatively new parent, did becoming a parent change the way you started to make films and the, the kinds of stories you wanted to tell?
1: I don't know if it changed the kinds of stories that I wanted to tell. I think I feel like an added urgency, mm. you know, to because of the stakes of the world because it's not just me or my wife and I it's you know there's another person in the picture and there's another one on the way actually in May um but uh yeah I think like it it raised the the stakes for for it I mean both like concretely and it's like oh I gotta find a job next month you know this whole Oscar thing has been nice but I gotta
0: (laughs) I gotta work (laughs) I gotta gotta work
1: yeah yeah. Um, so on that level but then that also you know that sense of time and uh, you know your efforts are finite it's like a great motivator you know because you only have an hour to work on this film or you only have like an hour you know, I, I, just being this this grind that we've been on for the awards, it's like, you know, I'd be home for like twelve hours or something, you know. So I would only have like four four hours of waking time with my, uh, with my wife and daughter, and just like that gives you a sense of the preciousness of that time, and you know that it's like not gonna last forever. Um, so
0: The last two questions I ask all of my guests. The first one is, what do you think Canada needs more of in order to support its artists? I know you work predominantly in the States, but, you know, if we were to woo you back, what would you need?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's like, concrete things that are, you know, that there have been a couple pieces written in the, the papers up there lately that I think they could really just in a really direct way improve things the the first thing is like just the the canadian government needs to decide what it's going to do with these streaming services um and decide what canadian content means you know is like canadian content just like uh top chef in canada yeah (laughs) which seems like patently absurd you know or like reality tv where it's like I don't know. I don't know the cultural impact yeah. of that.
0: Why does our national broadcaster have Family Feud? I hear you. Yep.
1: Yeah. Right. And that's like silly. You know, it's silly. That's like not in the spirit of what the legislation is. And this year, and it's interesting. You know, we're going to all the events, and like Parasite is celebrated as you know maybe one of the front runners in Best Picture. But you, I think we can look at like what South Korea has done to support their film industry um and take lessons from there look what the french have done look even what in quebec that they're doing to support their artists and then i I think that you know this is a big discussion in every meeting you go to here in los angeles but like in canada it's it's lip service paid to it but the idea of diversity and inclusion they're really far away canada they're just like really institutional barriers that are um make it difficult for people to get ahead and i think because the industry is smaller in canada because there isn't the the media coverage on it you know they're just not the the twitter users to you know get a hashtag going about things but i think that's another another conversation that you know well it's not a conversation it's the conversation is happening it's this decisions need to be made at the highest levels and you know i think the the broadcasters and the media companies need to do more to represent, uh, Canada, um, as it is. And that means gender balance. That means especially racial balance. I think there was an article in refinery 29 up there, um, which was really great and just sort of breaking down how there is this like really lack of racial inclusion on Canadian TV. And it's, it seems, You know, if if uh, the Canadian government is going to go around the world like trumpeting diversity and inclusion and like how great Toronto and Vancouver and Montreal are, then should really hold the media companies to account and make sure that that's
0: reflected. In
1: you know the media they're they're producing.
0: Agreed. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You're one of the first people to talk about uh, diversity on film, and that also needing to needing to be pushed. We're working on gender parity. There are a number of commitments through the NFB, through the um, telefilm, that are trying to make funding more accessible to gender parity. But we don't really have anything for for diversity or inclusion in that way yet. So hopefully that's coming very very soon, and we can you know like you said make more decisions about it. The second question I have for you. Is, is do you have a Canadian film that you would like to recommend to our listeners?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, I mean, sure, I think about him a lot. I I didn't work with Alan King for very long, but I worked for him for a few months, um, and he really had a huge impact on my approach to filmmaking. Um, so I'd recommend anyone watch Alan King's films. Um, Dying at Grace was, you know, is the one that like made the biggest impact on me, um, because I was working with him just after he had finished it. Um, but you can go back to the earlier stuff like Warrendale. Um, and you know, he's sort of a titan of documentary film. And, uh, I think everybody, especially a Canadian, but, you know, she'd just be really immersed and in, in steeped in Alan King's
0: work. A married couple is one of my favorites. We've talked about it on the show before. It's one of those things where I'm like, people love marriage story. They need to go see a married couple because that's what that looks like. And it's it's really something spectacular.
1: And like groundbreaking, you know, yeah. it's like 40 years ago or something, you know, more. I don't even know. Yeah. Um, 75, that's great. I
0: think that one is. So it's like, yeah, okay. yeah, just ridiculous what he was doing at the time and, and the cinema verite and, you know, anything that the Maisels were doing, he was doing too yeah oh man well sammy thank you so much for your time i know you're very busy good luck on sunday and uh go break some legs we're really proud of you here
1: thanks so much becky appreciate it take care
0: thanks for listening to the royal canadian movie podcast if you like what we're doing please remember to rate us and subscribe on itunes or on your favorite podcatcher it helps people find our podcast and canadian media they love come chat with us at rcm pod on facebook or on twitter at rcm pod Our theme song is by Craig Stewart and our show art is by Paul Stachniak. Join us next week for another great film from the wilds of Canadian cinema.